Community Players Podcast Standby. Places, please. Hosts and guests, places, please. House lights, go. Hold, please. We are holding. Welcome to Places, Please, a podcast from Community Players Theater in Beatrice, Nebraska, and the sixth episode of our mini-series, Hold, Please, where we connect with past players from around the country and throughout the organization's history. I'm Jamie Omer, Managing Artistic Director here at the theater. This week's guest is Phil Russell. He definitely wins the long-distance prize for a podcast guest, joining us all the way from Hilo, Hawaii. Phil grew up in Beatrice, and his involvement with the theater goes back to children's theater productions, then regular season shows. Even though his last CP appearance was 2009's Something's Afoot, he continues to be involved in the arts wherever he goes. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and listen closely. Try to hear a special bonus guest in the background. And I am now joined by Phil Russell, joining me all the way from the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Phil, thank you so much for joining us today. Aloha from Hawaii, Jamie Omer. Aloha. You are the you are the furthest distant guest that we have ever interviewed in all six episodes of this podcast. So you win the prize. I win. What do I win? You win an appearance in episode six of the podcast. Okay, that's that's a pretty good price. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So before we dive into the tropical paradise that paradise that is your life out in Hawaii, let's talk about your community players' origin story, as we are calling them. Ooh. How did you first get involved with the theater? It sounds it sounds uh, very special, like your X Men origin story, where I got my yes. superpowers. Yeah. Yes, yes. So tell me about the radioactive monkey okay. that that beat you. <laughs> well, I guess both of my grandmas have had season tickets for as long as I remember. Shout out to Grandma Marilyn and Grandma Joanne out there. Because I am sure they are listening to the podcast. Uh, they they probably will because I'm on it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I always went to shows there. I think the earliest show I can remember was Deadwood Dick and seeing that. And if I remember right, that was when somebody fell off the stage and broke their arm or their leg. And, they, and then they were on the set the, the, the next day doing the show still. And we got to like throw popcorn from the audience and boo the bad <laughs> guy. And it was really, really cool. A good old fashioned melodrama. Yeah. Um, and then I did children's theater probably from like middle school. Working with all kinds of people like the great Amy Beck. Oh, shout out to Amy Beck. Yeah, Amy Beck. Hi, hi Amy Beck. Um, yeah, so I did, as soon as I flunked out of doing baseball and I got to do children's theater, that was my <laughs> life every summer. And that was the best thing ever. And then the first show I did uh, as a community player was Grease. So, yes, you were really scraping the bottom of the barrel and had to had to audition high school kids so i was really yeah. lucky high school kids to be in a show about high school kids that makes yeah. sense that worked out um and i think um you know gene gene spilker another star of community players she was my voice teacher back then so she got me to audition for greece and mm -hmm. that was my first show and that was that was my breakout moment 
and and that's how you've never looked back since never ever pushing pushing that grease lightning on stage <laughs> that's right i do remember that that you were one of you were pushing the the little fake car that we had <laughs> yep i'll never forget it um so if you had to think of one show or a moment that best summarizes your experiences at community players what would it be and tell me it is not pushing that grease lightning car on stage <laughs> it's tricky trying to pick your moment my moment your moment or show or something that really stands out for you i guess it would probably be side by said by sondheim or musical review because oh. that was the first um like lead role i've ever gotten and it was a very small cast i think only six or seven people yeah yeah and i loved all the music and it was very challenging and fun and um yeah that was kind of cool because i think i was still in high school then but that was the first time I was like an adult in an adult show spoken to like an adult unless you were yelling at all of us for messing around like we were children. <laughs> no, actors never mess around like the, like your children. Yeah. And especially not that cast. <laughs> never. No hijinks at all. Yeah. <laughs> I just uh, thought it was, yeah, I thought it was cool. It's like felt like very grown up and responsible and that's kind of made me realize like how like what a great equalizer theater is because you can be a lead role where you could be in the course and have no lines and you could still make or break a scene or bring everything to a halt if you don't show up for your cue or you don't get your set change um so it kind of made me think a lot about that and try and take more responsibility oh see l listen to that theater taught you responsibility that's that's right. a great testimonial right there. With great so, power comes great responsibility, Jamie. Ah, <laughs> yes. This is all this is the superhero episode of the podcast. It is. Um so growing up here in Beatrice, talk about what it meant for you to have a place like community players to be able to do things and explore your artistic side. I loved your comment about flunking out of baseball. I, yeah, I flunked out of baseball hard. It was, it was really <laughs> bad. Um I think I feel like I grew up in the theater just doing children's theater for so many years there like spending every single summer there from like through grade school middle school and then starting to do shows right in high school I mean that's just where I always went it's like a second home I think pretty much every theater I've done lots of shows and you kind of adopt as like you feel like a sense of ownership like responsibility to it and pride in it and you want to take care of it and it's your happy place. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, it's the first, I mean, it's after I see my family, whenever I'm visiting Beatrice, it's the first place I go to. And I just like walk in the back door uninvited. <laughs> and there's usually, I mean, the faces change, but there's usually one or two friendly, friend, friendly faces that, you know, remember. And it's always like good old times again. Yeah, because it's a, it, it is a welcoming and and open space for for people to to gather and to share community and to you know, those shared experiences, which you know obviously is something that we're we're missing out a little bit on right now. But uh, being able to do this podcast is really allowing us to reconnect to those those memories and those experiences. 
it has community in the name Omer. Community. That's community. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even, you know, I, I was going to say with you, you know, growing up in the area and, and doing stuff, uh, but then, you know, you went away to college and then, then you were back for a little bit. You kind of had a, a, a second life with your involvement of community players um, shortly after college. And you did a lot of stuff, including stage managing and things like that. Uh, so it really is a place that is a is almost an eternal home for people. Yeah, it's like Cheers. Yes. <laughs> if anybody's old enough to remember that show, yes, I saw reruns of it. And and when you walk in, I will yell Norm the next time I see you. Works. You just better like be there forever because I don't want to come barging in and have the cops called on me because. Yeah. Nobody knows <laughs> because no one knows who you yeah. are. And who is that? Who is that giant guy? Yeah, and and because we're we're adopting strict protocols on entrances to the building, and you know, if unless you're wearing a mask, uh, then you can't come in. Print out my VIP badge. So yes, Say, I was go. a podcast guest. That's right. So um, take us on on a journey here. You've had a, an interesting path getting to where you are now. How did you end up in Hawaii? And what are you doing there now besides, you know, tossing tiki um, idols into volcanoes and stuff? How does anyone end up in Hawaii? They, they get on a plane? They, yeah, you get on an airplane and you fly, <laughs> fly to Hawaii. Um, I was living in San Francisco and then we had the big recession thing and everybody got laid off in san francisco is a very very expensive city to live in if you are not making a paycheck so <laughs> i did what a large number of people of my generation did and moved back home with mom and dad um it was in the middle of winter i remember that part and that was not fun but what was fun was that i could start doing theater with you guys again so we did the infamous Hello Dolly. Yes, I was just thinking about Hell Doll. <laughs> Hell Doll. It's my special name for it. Um, we did Something's Afoot when I got back. Where I got to shoot the gun on stage. It was very exciting for me. Yeah, but I couldn't take the cold. So after about a year, I <laughs> just decided uh, what's the most tropical, amazing place I could go to. And... Uh, was Hawaii and I found a lady who was looking for a apprentice on a tea farm and I learned how to harvest and process and prepare black and white and green and oolong and all kinds of tea and that was pretty amazing and I worked there until she sold the farm and then I got my insurance license and now here I am doing that and keeping busy with uh, all kinds of other fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. And actually, speaking of some of that other fun stuff that you're involved in, you know, once a performer, always a performer. Um, how have you stayed involved with music and theater? Oh, I stay very involved. I mean, you can't not do it. So I do every annual fall musical. Like right when I moved here, the first um, thing I did, I saw in the paper was auditions for the fall musical um, at our local theater. And so I didn't have a car and the tea farm was four miles up a mountain, but I hiked down and auditioned and got a lead role. Oh, <laughs> and what show was Bat that? Bat Boy the Musical. Oh, Bat Boy. I love that show. Great show. The songs are amazing. Very catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Very twisted, but it's a, yeah. such a catchy, catchy show. 
It's very weird and zany. But yeah, I got the uh, I was the evil veterinarian, um, and then I became kind of the Dennis Hopper of Hilo because every year <laughs> after that I played. I went from being the evil vet and Bat Boy to the evil dentist in a little shop to the monster in Young Frankenstein, and then Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar. So, so, so you, a lot you, of bad guys. You've made your round of of bad guys. I know. So I, I kind of like it. They they do have some of the best parts. Oh yeah, the villains have the best songs in in most shows, particularly if it's a Disney show. You know, the the villain has the absolute best number. So now, do do do, the, do uh, people on the street though see you and and walk to the other side because they're afraid you're going to, uh, you know, pull their teeth out or crucify them or anything like that? Oh, it it it's uh, my town's maybe like twice as big as Beatrice, so everybody maybe two or three times as big, but everybody still knows each other. So it's it doesn't even a month doesn't go by where you're not walking down the street and somebody like yells. Judas at their car window at me or like oh you were the dentist Ooh. and my um I think the director's dentist for little shop actually like loved it and um you know bought bought a bunch of advertisements in the program for it just because he loved that part <laughs> because he was like see this is this is what my, I wish my life was or this is how bad I could be, but look at how great I am with your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> if this is this is your warning. That's right. So I do that. I do the fall musicals, and then uh, we have a Shakespeare in the Park that I've been involved with, and then we have another community theater group I've done, uh, with a black box theater. I do shows with, and I do a, a weekly open mic night that's been going for over seven years. Uh, I started, I host and produce a uh, drag variety show every month. Um, I do some shows out at the university, uh, do concerts and burlesque shows and vaudeville variety shows. There's a lot. Yeah. There's a lot going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And talk about the, the open mic thing that you do. I know you've been doing that for a while. You said seven years? Yeah, it's over seven years every week until um, we had to shut down for this. We had not missed a week in over seven years. So oh, my gosh. I'm going to try and start an online version of it, but the, the technical stuff is really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And, and where do you host that at? Um, it's downtown at the Hilo Town Tavern. If you're ever in Hilo, Hawaii, stop down at the Hilo Town Tavern. <laughs> that sounds like an ad right there. Yeah. Stop down and have an open mic night. It's a, it's great. We get, um, it's because so many people come through here visiting or whatever. They, they buy an ukulele or they bring the guitar with them and we just get people from around the world. It's always different every week and lots of really talented people come through. So it's always very exciting. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it is really interesting. You know, you said that the town you're in is is bigger than Beatrice, but not super huge bigger. But it sounds like there's just a lot of uh, performance and and arts opportunities out there. Yeah, there's there's so a lot going on. It seems like it's a very small town. The island's not huge. It's called the Big Island, but you can drive across it in an hour and a half. <laughs> Which, you know, for us in Nebraska, that's, you know, just a trip up to Omaha or something. Yeah, going to Omaha or Lincoln. 
Um, but people, yeah, people really don't like driving here. So you can live on the other side of the island and not see your friend for months because the hour and a half is a long time here. Ah. Um, but yet they think there's at least 10 different theater companies on the island. So there's always something going on. And people who really want to do a show or really want that part that are willing to drive an hour or so or however long it takes to get to the theater, they'll do that. I mean, I know that you guys have had people from Lincoln and even farther away come and yeah. do shows with you. Yeah, that I, it's, it sounds like it's one thing that's that's a common thread for performers wherever. If there's a role that you really want, you will you will go and find that role. And, and if it's an hour's drive, an hour and a half drive, you're going to do it uh, because you want to be that role. Uh, yep. and, and actually, this kind of leads into my next question. Uh, are there any differences in the performing arts culture in Hawaii compared to the mainland? Um, I love, by the way, I can hear, I don't know if our podcast <laughs> listeners will be able to hear this. There's a rooster crowing in the background and I just, I'm just really amused by it. Yeah, we have, um, Hawaii's famous for its feral roosters and chickens. And we also have peacocks roaming around the neighborhood. They just kind of own the neighborhood and uh, there's not much you can do to stop them. Um, but yeah, the, it's not too different. There's just a lot more going on it's kind of cool how it's so diverse here not just um ethnicity wise but just like all the talent and uh different people move here and retire here but you know when you're in theater or the arts you never really retire mm -hmm. um, you always keep going so we've had we have like emmy award-winning music directors and broadway choreographers and they come here and retire and they just can't stay out of it so then they end up working with the community theater and we put on some pretty amazing shows yeah i know you've, you've told me a few times some stories about working with some of those people um when you've been back and we've had uh, a, an adult beverage or two um uh, it's it is really amazing the level of talent that you're able to work with out there uh, are there any of those that kind of stand out for you um i mean we have our uh, one of our main music directors, Quack, she was the music director for Saturday Night Live for 25 years and worked for Sesame Street writing songs for that. And she, uh, she's amazing. She can take a full musical score and then just write out all the parts in her head for just the instrumentation we have. And it's pretty incredible. So there's kind of musical geniuses like, um, like at Doan College with Dr. Breckbill, those types of people that can do all of that music in their head, those savants. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the only difference is we, we, I mean, you guys have um, to cancel shows for blizzards and tornadoes maybe. Um, we have to cancel shows for lava, tsunamis, earthquakes, hurricanes, and sometimes ballistic missile warnings. So. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. Just a few more natural disasters to deal with. Yeah, yeah, but but the uh the landscape and the top and the topography is much more interesting, I think. I mean, we have dolphins instead of corn, but you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, same same. Yeah. <laughs> um so is there any show, role, or program that you would have liked to have done while you were here in Beatrice and just because of timing or whatever, you never got the chance to? Oh, gosh, it's so hard. 
I want to do all the shows in Beatrice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I message you every time that you post a show that I want to do and I ask you if I can audition over Skype and I always get turned down. I know. But, you know, now as we're all investing in virtual programming, maybe maybe there's a light at the end of that tunnel for you, Phil. That's true. I mean, someday we will just have performers on iPads hooked to Roombas, like being <laughs> yes. pushed around the stage, <laughs> all acting and singing their heart out. Um, that may be a social think... distance solution that, <laughs> yeah, that, that may be sooner than later. I think that, I mean, when I, for a while there, we were kind of staggering doing the same shows here, and then you were doing the same shows there. And I know we did JC Superstar, and I was Judas, and I didn't want to stop singing that huh, role because yes. it was just so good. And you have to put a lot of practice and effort just getting your voice condition to do that many songs, like three or four days a week for three weeks. It's like a lot. Um, and then, yeah, right a month after we closed and you guys were doing it, and so I just wanted to come back and, and do that part again. Who needs Josh Erickson? That's right. You you would have fought Josh Josh Erickson for that, but that would have yeah, been a that guy. That, that would have been a vocal battle. I would have liked to have seen. We could have sold tickets just to see that sing off. We do need to sing together sometime. Um, maybe virtual programming. Yeah, there you go. That'd be fun. Uh, yeah, most well, mostly I'm jealous of all the young adult programs going on that you have going on now. It's super cool. I mean, I'm super thankful for doing children's theater and having that, but like being able to do like really cool shows like You're in Town or Avenue Q with like kids the same age as you, like and having all the resources of the theater that makes me super jealous. I wish I could have done more stuff like that growing up, but I just hope we can keep doing more of that and it sets an example for other theaters to do that. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I know a few theaters have kind of stolen some of those ideas from us and that's a great compliment. There you go. Start copywriting that stuff. Yes. <laughs> um, now it's time for a segment that we call Backstage Bloopers, where we ask our guests to share a behind-the-scenes mishap or story that can only happen in live theater. So, Phil, what is your backstage blooper? Because we all have these war stories that we tell. Well, I have I have one one magical moment that can only happen in live theater and one blooper. Let's hear them both. Oh, okay. Well, I think one of the most magical moments was doing... Um, Shakespeare in the Park, we're doing Merchant of Venice. It was Bassanio, and um, we do it out in this park in the middle of town underneath a giant banyan tree at night. It's all like lit up and it's beautiful. And towards the end of the play, Portia is doing her soliloquy, begging for her father's life. And as she's saying, the quality of mercy is not strained, it droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven. And right then, this like super fine mist comes just raining from the air and it's sparkling and the fresnels like glitter and she had to pause her speech because the whole audience just let out an audible Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> like we did it on purpose it's like some kind of stage effect yeah you prayed to the correct i don't know what the hawaiian god for rain was so it it worked it wor i mean it's the he lives the wettest city in the u.s so we get like 130 inches 
uh, a year on average, so it's not that surprising that it would just randomly rain. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's why the whole audience comes in rain gear and all of our costumes are waterproof, because sometimes you just perform in a torrential downfall, and we've never canceled a show because of rain. Oh, wow. Um, one of my bloop, I don't know, mishap? I don't know, mishap. I kind of live on in infamy. I don't know if it was... I mean, you can cut this out if you want. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge admission of guilt here. I don't know if it was like your 20-year anniversary article or something. You were talking about your bloopers and mishaps. And one of them was a stage manager not showing up <laughs> on... Um, what was it? Dress, it was one of the dress rehearsals? It was first tech. First tech. And... I mean, you're such a good friend that you you didn't name drop me and shame me in the newspaper, but I'm admitting it now. <laughs> I was so sick and sleeping like forever. And I slept for like 16 hours that day. And I woke up like two hours into the show and with seven missed calls from Jamie. It's very, very upset at me. But from then on, I was never late, and that show went perfectly. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, I remember because it was the first tech of the show, and it was it was uh, yes, Virginia. There's a Santa Claus. That's right. And the show was troubled a little bit because one of the actors had thrown it thrown his back out uh, about halfway through the, through the rehearsal process. So, in addition to directing and designing the show, I was having to play this part as well, and. So I was on uh, on stage and then, you know, you were nowhere to be found as we were, it was time to start the run through. And it was a big cast, too. Uh, yeah. And so, yeah, there was a there was a time when I was on stage acting and calling the light cues uh, up to the booth as I'm on stage. Uh, I'm making a cross. I was like, lights go, lights go, talk, 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 lights go. <laughs> and in the back of my mind, this little voodoo doll of you was being stabbed and mutilated. Um, and then I was also hoping that you weren't dead yeah. because I, mean, I was going to kill you. About it now, yeah. But yeah, you look very <laughs> angry. I mean, that's not the first time that you've had to go on stage, but that's probably the first time you've had to go on stage and do Q to Q. Yeah. <laughs> that was an adventure. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad I live in infamy and I'm in your top ten list and that makes me feel special. You you should feel special. Um, but that is a great story and it is one of those things that can only happen in live theater and in it's community true. theater. And the fact that we can laugh about it now. Um and that we get it's a great metaphor. We get through catastrophes like that, just like we will get through the craziness that we are dealing with right now. Yep. And that's what I'm It's going to it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's what I'm telling myself so that I can sleep at night. <laughs> that's right. That's what you got into. Um so before we wrap up here today, is there anything else that you'd like to add or share with uh with our podcast listeners? Um not not really. Uh, just my public service announcement. I mean you're probably listening to this, you're probably really cool and you love theater, but encourage your your friends and family to do what they can to support the arts right now, especially because you know, when stuff um, gets really hairy like this, the arts are the first things on the chopping block. And once you cut something, it's hard to get it back. So, I mean, we would be going 
way more bonkers at home right now if we didn't have our TV and our movies and our music and our books, and those all come from artists. So say support your local artist. That is a terrific sentiment. And I had just read an article or had heard someone was brainstorming about this in, in some Zoom meeting I was at, and you phrased it so much better than we could have ever come up with uh, to put out as promotional material. So that's a great way to wrap things up here today. Uh, so Phil, thank you so much for joining us, for coming down off the volcano and chasing the roosters out of the yard uh, and uh, joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going we're gonna to get you here um, as a guest director someday. And I'm sorry, Beatrice, but once he comes, he's not going to leave. <laughs> um, so start looking for a new theater director. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. We talked about me taking a sabbatical out there actually this year, which would have been wrapping up like right about now, honestly, had I mm. gone out there. <laughs> so then I probably wouldn't have left. I wouldn't have been able to. Well, I have a guest bedroom, so... So, so next time, next time you're stuck here, you're living with me. All right. There you go. You heard it here first, podcast listeners. All right. So thanks a lot, Phil. Yeah, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you. Once again, thank you to Phil for joining us and sharing his memories and talking about the importance that the arts play throughout anyone's life. This podcast is a production of Community Players in Beatrice, Nebraska. Be sure to follow us during this time on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube with the hashtag HoldPleaseCP. You can help us keep our programming alive by going to our website, BeatriceCommunityPlayers.com, making a donation, buying CP merch, pre-ordering a 2020-2021 season ticket, or ordering a gift certificate for future productions. Thank you, and stay safe because we want to see you again at the theater. Please stand by. We are continuing.